Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink. Meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today, which is December 15th, 2016. That's right. We're almost at the end of the year and it's gone so quickly. We've had so many great guests and just fabulous shows for all of you. Today, we're going to be talking with Dorothy Kuhn, and the subject is going to be inspiring you to realize your dreams. I think this is the perfect topic for us to be discussing at this time of year, and a lot of us are thinking about what our New Year's resolutions are going to be, so what a great learning experience. A little background on Dorothy. She's the CEO and founder of Power Your Dreams. And she mentors people in how to become better leaders in their fields and really to create visions for success. She grew up a mystical Catholic kid. And she was running around the woods with her little brothers and and the neighbor kids. And I think this is probably what inspired her to do what she does today, that sense of freedom and movement. She graduated um, as a, in a well, she basically she got a degree in science, and she studied physics and math, and this won her um, her first professional position because she knew a lot about quantum mechanics, more so than most of the people that she worked with. So early in her corporate career, she struggled to lead in a way that others wanted her to lead. And she also wasn't much of a follower. So subsequently, she went to work for Texas Instruments as a representative to Carnegie Mellon University, where she co-authored the industry standard in systems engineering with the Department of Defense. So we have with us a very bright lady. And I welcome her onto our show, and I want to bring her on now. Hello, Dorothy. Thank you so much for being here today. Hello, (laughs) Denise. How are you doing? Just great. Just great. It's a pleasure to be with you. Start my show out by asking you, how did you get on the path that you're on today? Um, You know, I, I gave the audience a pretty good background on you, but there had to be something else that motivated you to do what you're doing now. 
That is such a great question because there was. I have always had this entrepreneurial spirit. I got it from my mother. She was always inventing things and thinking about cool things that should go into the marketplace. And one thing and another would happen that she that it wouldn't work out for her to do that. And then two years later, you would see that very thing that she thought would be just a wonderful product to uh, to create would be in the market, you know, uh, with somebody else making all that money on it. And uh, so she, she's been an inspiration to me in many, many ways. That's just one. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, so, so after my corporate just... career, I, was, I uh-huh. was just looking, what what can I do? What can I leverage about my life that would be truly inspirational and valuable to other people? And that is? And and that really is uh, training people on inspired leadership, which, you know, has a tremendous health component because you need to have the energy to lead well and to be in it for the long term. Mm-hmm. And most people who train on, on leadership don't include that health piece. Another piece that I include in, which is so important, is how to have wonderful presence so that before you even open your mouth, people get you across the room and think, that is a person that I need to know. That person has got something, and you they can't quite put their finger on it. That is tremendously helpful in leading any kind of organization, business, movement, you name it. So tell us your secret. What is that? What do you do to prepare them for that? So that has to do with with being really clear with with who you are, having cleaned up some of your enough of your head and heart trash. You know how we grow up sometimes with uh, unhelpful meanings that we have made from life. Sometimes we can be stuck in a victim mode or um, uh, ask questions like, "Why did they do that?" Blah blah blah. You know that kind of complaining, whiny voice. Mhm. Mhm. And and you can hear how that like just you're giving your power away when you're asking a a, a question that there is no definitive answer to, right? Why questions sure. are that way? There's no definitive answer there. And uh, and so uh, teaching people to ask really powerful questions, teaching them to uh, see that everybody does the best they can in the moment, uh, choosing the best option they can they can see. If they could see a better option in the moment, they would take it. Mm-hmm. But yet we so often will put ourselves in that whiny, why did they do that? Well, it's always the same answer. It's the best option they saw. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's very easy to, to play the victim instead oh, of yes, yes. instead of using your own power. power. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. But in relation to what you mentioned earlier about how a person prepares themselves, so when they walk out onto that stage or they walk into a conference room to do a training person, that gets instant respect. Oh, that is such a delicious question. Uh, so the, there are a handful of things that that really uh, are practices to do well in advance of walking into that boardroom or walking onto that stage or wherever it is that you're going where you really want to be able to uh, to have the presence that that fascinates other people. And uh, one of the, 
the simplest things to, to do. I did right before this call. Uh, it's so powerful. I stood in the kind of pose, uh, kind of a power pose. If you have read uh, Dr. Amy Cuddy's wonderful book on presence, that'll give you some uh, pointers on that. I really recommend her work. Uh, and it's true, the way we hold our bodies, you know, our body and our brain has this continual conversation back and forth. And when you stand in a powerful pose that takes up a lot of space, with your arms uplifted, uh, like a runner who has just victoriously crossed the finish line. Mm -hmm. Their chin is uplifted a little bit, their arms are in the air, their chest is thrown out. Stand in that pose for two minutes, and your body will be sending these signals to your brain. Oh, release those wonderful, happy brain hormones, endorphins and serotonin, and those really uh, empowering kinds of brain chemicals. And they will you will feel them start to flood through your body. It will give you the ability to be more calm, more grounded, more centered, and to keep your energy fully within you, in the core of your body rather than kind of, you know, when you're kind of nervous and you're not sure, it'll feel like your head is in a swirl? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that is the opposite of being in a really powerful grounded state. I've heard that from other trainers. Yeah, it's it's very true. It's very true. And it then must another be. really Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So there are a variety of power poses, and I, I love training people on this. And one of the ways that I learned power poses before Amy Cuddy's book uh, uh, came out was through social dancing. So um, if uh, I imagine that there are some of your listeners, our listeners today, who, who really like dancing and a lead dance like a West Coast Swing or an East Coast Swing or um, – my favorite is uh, Argentine Milonguero Tango. Uh, just is so wonderful for getting that sense of the give and take of of leadership and where energy goes. Uh, it's a much those dances are much more than physical, you know, on on the dance floor kind of fun with the music. What would you say to our listeners that perhaps are going? to need to negotiate something with someone, whether it's their boss or it's mm-hmm. um, an, another employee, it's a family matter. So what do you have to say about that? Oh, it's so important to be clear on what you want and to, and to uh, be clear on what question you want to ask them and not pussyfoot around. So often we want to uh, ask people for something, but we're afraid that they're going to say no, or we think that we have to use a lot of words to tee it up and explain why we need it and all that kind of stuff that just gives your power away. And it uh, honestly, people mean well by doing that, but uh, the listeners often find it uh, rather tedious or irritating even. So it's important to know what the question is that that you need to ask so that you can direct the mind of your listener to find a good answer that will uh that will uh satisfy both parties to to make a really great deal and before so get clear on that first and then ask yourself 
what is it that I need to do to set the stage before that answer, or before that question, rather, comes out on the stage of our conversation? So setting the stage is really about what are the guiding principles that both sides in the relationship value? Respect, you know, trust. Uh, that, uh, you know, if it's uh, about money, that uh, there's value on both sides uh, of, of this. Uh, so it's, it's important to kind of set that stage, and, uh, and to do that with uh, a story is even more powerful. Give me an example. So if you wanted uh, to, for example, negotiate a raise with your boss, uh, you... Uh, you know, this this is all about value. And if you've done something, the best time to uh, uh, negotiate that is after you have delivered something that is really, really great for your boss, right? Something that mm-hmm. was valuable to the whole organization. So uh, to to do that, it's it's wonderful to uh, meet meet with your boss when the boss is likely to be in a good mood. Uh, if you've worked. For this uh, boss for a while, you'll know if it's the morning or the evening. You'll have a good sense of that, uh, and uh, and to go in with, you know, uh, something a story that brings to mind that great win that that you were a part of bringing to the organization. And when you bring that that story to mind, it brings to the mind of your boss all of the wonderful things that uh, that you bring to the organization beyond even just this one recent win that you're talking about. Oh, that's a- so when you once you set the stage, then you can segue into uh, a couple of other things like you know what what you're thinking about. You know you've got alternatives besides working at this one place. You might you know kind of t- uh, tip your hand that um, that that you. Um, uh, had been talking to somebody else, if if that's useful. That's something that you you need to assess kind of separately whether to mention that. And then, you know, ask, ask for that raise in a way that is um, clear and succinct and add some fun in there. So often we'll think of negotiating uh, in, a, in a way that is um, kind of difficult. And if you add fun to anything, it makes it, you know, more enjoyable for both parties. Those are really some great tricks. <clears throat> I can't talk today. Some great, great tips. <laughs> oh, golly. Let's see. What else do you have to add? So, uh, so in the cleaning up your stuff, you know, we all have some... Uh, uh, meanings that we've made out of life that that cut us off from seeing the wealth of possibility all around us. And uh, it's wonderful that if you do have a partner in life, uh, somebody who can act as your informal coach, friend, or uh, something that way, uh, who is wonderful at helping you see when you've bumped into a wall that you're, that you're stuck at consistently. And you have this uh, this intention always to notice where it is that you get um, that you bump up against something and kind of get stuck. So asking a what question, what can I do, or how can I feel about this situation that will that will shift it for me, is a is a great 
question to ask either of those questions. What can I do or how can I feel that this situation could be more empowering? Because right now I don't see it that way. That's good. That's really good. So now let's get back to our topic on, on inspiring yourself to realize your dreams. How, do, how does a person get to that place? So when uh, people are, you know, we all have these these dreams, these aspirations for our future. And um, oftentimes, uh, particularly mid-career, uh, people will, it's, it's very common for people to be in a situation where they're, they're just, you know, heads down, work, 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 go to work, you know, pick the kids up, get home, cook dinner, you know, normal kinds of uh, things like that. And there will come a time where you bump into something and you say, this is, this is not working for me anymore. It'll make us think. You've been there, huh? Oh, I'm, I think we all have. Yes, yes, it's so it's so normal. And that is the wonderful and delicious time to really, you know, get some help from a friend or a good mentor to to help you find out what it is that is really wonderful uh that that you really do love. And you may find that there's something about your current situation that you just haven't been looking at uh in an empowering way. Uh, or you may find that there's something that you need to change to a different job or to create your own business or, you know, any variety of things. And the the best way, um, I, I teach a five-step process on how to do this. It's extraordinarily effective. I call it your irresistible future. And uh, And the first step is the linchpin of the whole thing, and it really circles around um, – Finding in your past, just getting quiet, going within, and asking yourself, what are the times in my life that have just juiced me, made me feel fully alive when I was there doing these things that were just so wonderful to me? And to jot those down and note them in a little notebook. You can get those little tiny notebooks, you know, the the spiral that you can carry in your pocket or your purse. Uh, you know, for a few days and just jot down every one of those little stories. And when you've got a whole collection of them down after, you know, three or four days, and just ask yourself each night, you know, what other stories, what other times was I, did I feel fully alive, body, mind, heart, and soul? And those are the times that uh, uh, that tell you really where your passion is for your future. And that's the the first step. And you want to know what the, that second one is? Absolutely. Okay. So so then to look at those and ask yourself of the three most juicy of those that you jotted down, um, what is the look at those and kind of you know you, sometimes I tell people just put your hand on that page where you've written down those three juiciest juiciest stories. And uh, ask yourself, what, what's the theme that runs through these three stories? What's that thread that runs through them that makes that, that kind of holds them together? It's it's amazing what will come up. And when you know the theme of your life, then that is food for ponder to see what can come next. Do you have a story? Of, of of an individual that you took through this process and and what changes they made in their life. 
Oh, gosh, yes, yes. So uh, I have a client, uh, Andrea. She is from Australia. Um, and she wanted to start off in a new business and, and a coaching business. And so as she was doing that, she just she was stumbling into one roadblock after another. And, you know, when, when you choose that entrepreneurial journey, uh, that's a very normal thing to run into one roadblock after another. And she just could not see her way to uh, being able to, to pull it all together. She was feeling like a swirl of a million things that she had to do. They all seemed weighty. She was comparing herself and where she was in getting her business started to other businesses that were, you know, 10 years in operations and had all of these big systems built and such, which, you know, she couldn't do in short order. And none of those were her best next move. And so to get her grounded and what she was really passionate about with just these few steps, the first two that I've mentioned and, and a short handful of others, those things are just wonderful for um, for getting you grounded, centered, and, and knowing what's the most important to you. And then to ask this important question, what is the simplest thing I can do now so that I'm taking one step forward, that'll that'll get me closer to a payday. And for any entrepreneur, getting that next step toward a payday is really, really important. It is. I was just thinking about how I'd, I'd interviewed a, a guest a couple months ago, and um, he was saying that one of them also another really important thing to do is to have stability. In other words, if you want to make changes in your life, you still have to have stability in order to be able to do that. Yes, you have to have something that is stable so that you you know where ground is. Yeah, because if your basic needs aren't being met, it's pretty difficult to concentrate on anything else. It's kind oh, of that. It's very much true. You you need to you know in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you've exactly. got to have food and shelter covered. <laughs> exactly, know. exactly. And um, when this individual did uh, research, he looked back in history and found that those that were the most successful in their lives had the stability, but they also mm-hmm. had a vision, and yes. they didn't let anybody's stand in their way of achieving that vision very much as right yes and that vision can be you know developing that vision is something that any person uh can can do and people who think they can't do that just you know uh, uh a little help goes a long way to get them to a place where they're like oh, it's it, they feel like it's magic and it's really a, a very simple process to, to get them there. And it really starts with knowing yourself well enough to know what it is that you love. And so those first few steps we already talked about really are, are great for, for getting you on that path. True. And another common denominator is asking for help and yes. getting it. Yes. Very few people have become successful in their lives without somebody mentoring them or helping them along the way. Indeed, indeed. You know, the things that I have figured out on my own have taken me like 10 times as long as they needed to. And when I've reached out for help, I've gone 10 times faster than I could have on my own. 
<laughs> Isn't it true? It is true. It's well, it, a lot of people have so. have trouble asking for help. And you know, sometimes that that'll go back to cleaning up your internal stuff. You know, maybe uh, when you were a kid, uh, you were you know somebody made a, a ornery, mean, uh, unhelpful comment about uh, some question that you asked, and you felt shame about it. And shame is uh, a, a potent uh, way that unresolved shame is a potent thing that keeps us stuck because that that shame feeling is a I'm not good enough feeling, not a that's not good enough or, you know, I didn't you know, get that done quite right uh, kind of feeling. But it's it's at the identity level and cleaning up those things is so powerful. I've, it's the rare person who can do that on their own and I really do recommend uh, great help. I know my clients who, who get past those things are, um, they're richer for it, you know, spiritually and in every other facet. Of course. What do you think the average time it is for achieving a dream? I, I missed that first part of your question. Ask again. What do you think the timeline typically is for achieving a dream? I suppose. That timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so presuming that you've got some good help. I, uh, my observation is that if if it kind of depends on where you're starting. So if you're starting from an idea and you're looking to a dream in a space that you already have skill operating in, that you can you can manifest and create pretty quickly. So for example, when I was working in, do you like examples? Yes. Yeah. So when I was working uh, in in corporate, I did I did consulting in corporations large and small for years. It was just a ton of fun for me. And uh, so every time I'd finish up a gig, you know, I'd I'd go to some place. They'd want me to, for three months. They'd keep me for thirteen. I'd uh, deliver huge value, and then it was you know like off to the next thing. And so I would do two things. I would be always looking ahead for what is the next certification that I could get. Because when you're in this consulting business, particularly in technology, which is where I worked, um, then it, those those certifications are just like they keep you top of the stack, you know. That's a good thing. And uh, so I'd get another certification, and then I would set my sights on – what is it that I want to learn in my next job so I'm an even even more effective and uh, creative and, and influential in what it is that I'm doing and delivering to that next client? And so I would, I would just pull together maybe three, no more than five criteria for uh, that next client that I wanted. Uh, so one would be what, a, what do I want to learn? Another would be what's the furthest that I would be willing to drive. It's like I never wanted to drive, you know, I, I always wanted to keep that drive time under 30 minutes in rush hour. And uh, and then what's the kind of organization, you know, organizations uh, uh, have different characteristics. I know what kind of organizations I really liked, and so I would describe that in, in some detail. And, you know, maybe one or and, – and the salary, how much money did I want to get out of out of that gig either on a monthly basis or a hourly basis however it was that there were you know there are two three ways to 
to break that down. And so when you're really clear on what it is that you want, and you can just, you know, write all of that down and put it aside, read it at night, dream about it, uh, the the jobs that you're looking for, the next gig that you're looking for, will magically, it'll just magically appear every time. That's so true. You're manifesting what yes. it is you want in your life. Yes. Indeed, and, and be very purposeful about it. And not only what it is that you want, but ask yourself, what will that do for me? What will that do for my family? And what will that do for my client or my employer? Mm-hmm. When you've got that perfect fit. Because everything that we do needs to fit in the you know, ecosystem of our lives. Very true. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's incredible. It's incredibly powerful to be very clear. You know, uh, I've I've a wonderful um, mentor who is is a pastor, and uh, she uh, tells this story. Edwin Gaines is is her name. I love her, and uh, she she tells this story uh, this way. She says, you know, uh, we when we uh, uh, sometimes we'll pray to God for those of us who are uh, theologically minded. Uh, that uh, we will have, you know, that something, some good job will come along. She says, do not treat God worse than you treat Amazon. At <laughs> 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 Amazon, you have to know, you know, the, the product, the product number, the price, uh, you know, everything about it, and put in all the details related to how you're going to pay for it, and all those details are important. You don't call up Amazon and say, send me something you think I would like. They think you were crazy. That's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. So be specific. And, uh, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, that whole ask and you shall receive, knowing how to ask makes a huge, huge difference in the quality of the life that you will be able to easily manifest. What's the number one thing that people need to know to have the health in order to lead? Oh, oh, they need to know, the number one thing that people need to know is that food in this country is sold like fashion. And as much as I love big companies, I've worked for a bunch of them, including big food uh, companies, Pardon me. Um, they make more money by selling the most addictive substance on the planet, sugar, more addictive than cocaine. And sugar is in all kinds of things that it has no business being in. And by uh, uh, so those are those are that's number one. Know that those companies make their money by ma- by you making very unhealthy choices and that they sell food like fashion so that it seems like cool to stop in at the fast food place or to buy, you know, uh, a bag of some kind of snack snack food which sets you up for that very very quick metabolism and uh, and then 2 hours later you're hungry again. It's it's a setup for for poor health and failure. And you know, treating ourselves well is um Gosh, in a way, it's kind of a high-class problem to have uh, these these days because we do live in such a relatively wealthy time. 
uh, particularly for people who are well-educated and, you know, have professional uh, jobs. It's much harder these days, as as we well know, for people who are in the um, uh, the labor market, so to speak. But um, so to that point, uh, there are three categories of foods uh, to, to think about, proteins, fats, and carbs. And of those three, just proteins and fats are necessary for life, and they metabolize slowly, which is a good thing. So put a pin in that thought. And carbs, while pleasant, you know, like flour and sugar and all that kind of uh, stuff, grains and and things, while pleasant uh, to eat and enjoy from time to time, they're optional. We don't have to have those things. It turns out that when when you uh, have proteins and and fats, they metabolize slowly. They don't spike your blood sugar. Do you know what happens when your blood sugar spikes? Yes. (laughs) It it triggers fat storage. Correct. Bam. It does. It triggers fat storage. And and since it metabolizes quickly, it burns off quickly. That's why we call, you know, like Snickers bars or something, quick energy. Uh, and, and when it burns off quickly, then your blood sugar is spiked up, and then it drops way down, and then you're hungry again. You feel like you've got to have something else. And so that it just, those carbs just set you up for that cycle of spike, and crash, spike and crash. So no wonder the the average weight of Americans has uh, increased tremendously since the 1950s. It's crazy how much it's it's increased. Yeah, it is. And this really all ties back into if you're if you're healthy and you're feeling good, then your mind is going to be healthy and feeling good. Very much so, very much so. You know, as we were talking earlier, you know, I I ran into um, just a few years ago with, uh, you know, the most vicious and pernicious uh, chronic health problem that is, you know, known, known to man. Uh, I, was, I was facing what was getting my dad, which was dementia. I couldn't remember conversations. It was hard for me to be able to concentrate and think. And, you know, for a person who thinks of herself as smart, and we do, don't we? It was Absolutely. Just, yeah, we do. We think we're smart, and we are. And it was just crushing to think that I couldn't uh, be able to do what I'd always done. Uh, hmm. And it was just getting worse over a three-year period. And I was otherwise healthy. You know, there are other things that can mask as dementia, uh, other physical, um, medical conditions that can be treated that uh, that show up that way. But, uh, you know, none of those did I have. And when I had seen my father in those end stages with dementia, it was it was sad beyond belief. Yeah, it's and devastating. He, oh, it is. It's, it's horrifying. And uh, I knew that medical science, you know, when they tell you that they don't have a any way to fix that, believe them, they're right. You know, they know their business. Uh, and so I have some really great uh, nutrition and alternative uh, medicine people in my – I know people all over the, all over the country. And it's, it's wonderful to get really 
great advice. And it's part of what I teach as uh, as a part of when I'm uh, helping people with leadership because you definitely need to keep that energy. What I found was when people uh, were doing strictly the protocol to uh, to step back from dementia or to avoid it if they knew it was in their family, uh, uh, their diabetes went away. Other chronic conditions uh, went away. Pain that they had had for years went away because those those foods those those carbs oftentimes those are things that uh they don't just trigger our blood sugar they do other things inside us that that make us unhealthy they trigger low levels of inflammation and you know we can tolerate that for a while but it builds up and it builds up and uh that inflammation you know, your body has got a handful of take-out-the-trash systems like your liver and your colon and your kidneys, those kinds of things. And if they've got too much trash to take out and they're overloaded, then that'll show up somewhere and it'll make you feel really awful. Yeah, it's very true. Well, yeah. you've you've learned from your own personal experience how to overcome obstacles in your life. And um, I think you've given us some really great tips on on how to move forward if we feel that we're not pursuing our passions. Is there anything else you'd like to add to our interview today? You know, I if people want to get a hold of me, then mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll save that to, to the end. But the thing that I would really love for for people uh, to take away is that you can, you know, as you mentioned at the at the top of the show, you know, I grew up this really really geeky kid, and when I was um, in my twenties and and thirties, I had no idea. Uh, how to lead. You know, I had this whole science background, and I was highly analytical. Um, I couldn't lead my way out of a paper bag. I couldn't lead other people out of a paper bag. It was just kind of sad. And I would try to force the situation and all those kinds of things that had leveraged what I had done um, in the past trying to move forward. So I, you know, at some point I thought I need a different way of looking at this problem of being able to lead. And I was so curious about it because I'd always test as, you know, from a Myers-Briggs perspective and other kinds of personality preference and profiling things, give you an idea of what your talents and uh, things are. I'd always test, you know, in that leadership range. And a lot of people do. And it was frustrating, not just for me, but for the people that I was working for, they saw that potential, but I, I was really struggling to realize it. And so uh, to really find a way that works for you to clean up, you know, my first step was to start cleaning up that internal uh, un- unhelpful beliefs. And we all have them, you know, so we all grow up in regular families somewhere on the spectrum of dysfunction, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's yeah, it's somewhere, and that was me, you know, somewhere in the middle of dysfunctional American family, if you know nothing to write home about. But we, uh, as people, are meaning-making machines, and we'll make it when we're little kids. We'll make goofy meanings out of it. It's the best we can do at the time. 
So, uh, you know, things like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy or, you know, I could never do that or, you know, and and I just dove into all of this really analytical stuff and doing well in school because I felt as a little kid that that was my ticket, you know, to, to freedom and, and a life beyond growing up in this goofy American family. And uh, and, uh, now that I've made peace and cleaned up all this stuff, now I love my family again, but I didn't feel that way when I was a teenager. You recognize that, don't you? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. So cleaning up your stuff is really a wonderful thing to do. I call it head and heart trash. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Really good. So cleaning that is is so valuable, and there are a whole variety of ways to do that. My clients love it, and you may have somebody, you know, your listeners may have somebody in their life who can help them uh, with with those kinds of cleanup. I could never figure that out on my own ever. Um, and and then to read uh, some biographies of people who are really inspiring to you. So I. I found it extraordinary just to read biographies of people who had done things that were were unusual, particularly compared to their background. So I'm here in Texas. I read one of my early biographies to read was of Barbara Jordan. She was the first African-American congresswoman from from Texas. And she just had an extraordinary story. And I thought, I gotta, you know, if she can do that, I can too. That's Wonderful advice. Well, Dorothy Kuhn, we really appreciate you being with us today. How can our listeners reach you? I know you have a website. I do. I do. And so people can go to my website. It's just my first name and my last name, DorothyKuhn.com. Spell that. uh, Do you want uh, me to spell that? mm -hmm. Yes, please. Okay. D-O-R-O-T-H-Y-K. U H N dot com. Great. Well, thank so, you so much. Uh, they can go there, and they'll. I'll, I'll send them something uh, valuable about leadership uh, right away when they sign up, and they'll get uh, a really uh, blog post that uh, that I send out, inspiring and helpful. Uh, typically on Tuesdays is when that goes out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dorothy Kuhn. We really enjoyed having you on today. The best it to has you. Been, it has been a pleasure. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Please tune in again. We'll be back after the first of the year, 2017. And we'll be waiting for you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer? Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What?
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.